0: we talked about how sometimes in the God's processes, uh, in transforming us into the image and likeness of Jesus, he takes us down a road we didn't see. It, there is a surprise of how he is at work, and sometimes it's confusing and a little frustrating. And uh, But he still on the throne, he's still Lord, and he is still telling a story for his own glory through you. Um, We reminded ourselves that the Holy Spirit right now, the absolute will of God, what we know he's doing, 2 Corinthians 3.18 says that we are being transformed into the image and likeness of Jesus from glory to glory that is from one manifestation of his person to another manifestation of his person so that we will eventually all be brought to the full maturity of the knowledge of jesus so what god's doing in us right now is by the holy spirit he is transforming us into the image and likeness of jesus how great is that Jesus, who was and is and always will be the perfect personification of God the Father, he is the exact substance of God the Father, that we are being transformed into his image and likeness. His love, his unconditional love, his mighty favoring grace, his incredible power, his authority, his blessing, his resources. We're being transformed into the image and likeness of Jesus. But along that journey, sometimes the story that God is telling takes paths that we didn't expect. I drew your attention last time to Exodus chapter 14 when God had sent all these mighty signs and wonders for the children of Israel who were in Egyptian bondage. They'd been in Egypt for 430 years. Now, they hadn't been in bondage that long, but toward the end, they were in severe, incredible bondage. How God had done miracle after miracle after miracle, and Pharaoh had eventually let the people go. And not only did he let them go, but they left with vast resources. The Bible says all the vast resources of Egypt were loaded on the Egyptians, uh, on the Israelites, and they left the land of Egypt and were heading toward the land of Canaan. Only um, something amazing happened. Exodus 14 tells us, and God hardened Pharaoh's heart to come after him again. God hardened Pharaoh's heart to come after him again. Are you kidding me? So not only did Pharaoh come after him again, he said, we're coming after you and it's going to be worse than you've ever had it. You ever feel that way? Just when you feel like you get a breakthrough, sometimes it it comes back after you. We're going to get you this time. What we found out in that passage was that it was not a setback, it was a set up. God was setting up an opportunity for him to show his glory, and he opened the Red Sea, let the children of Israel go through, and then closed it on the Egyptians. Sometimes what looks like your greatest setback is really God orchestrating your greatest setup to bring forth his glory. We also find in Scripture uh, some other passages like Genesis 50, 20. You remember when the brothers of Joseph, uh, those evil men, decided they despised Joseph because he had the favor of God and his daddy on him. So they sold him into slavery, threw him in a pit, and then sold him into slavery in Egypt, and uh, he, he went to Egypt as a common slave, and uh, he began to get the favor of the Egyptians. In fact, uh, he, he, he was doing so well that he was giving a place of authority. And then he got a false accusation. Potiphar's wife accused him of trying to rape her. And so he was imprisoned again, falsely accused and falsely imprisoned but over time, as you you would think, God, what are you doing? Like the children of Israel. God, what are you doing? You set us free. God, what are you doing? Maybe y'all don't ever ask that. What are you doing? So there he was, stuck again in the dungeon, in prison, until finally, in that prison. God began to give him mighty favor with the jailkeeper who told somebody else, who told somebody else. And he got promotion after promotion after promotion till finally he was put, listen to this, next in line to the Pharaoh of Egypt. I want to tell you something. You may not think you can get there from here. You may be so far down in the circumstances of your life. Let me tell you, if you are where God wants you to be, he can change everything by sundown. He hasn't forgotten you. It just feels like you're stuck, you're not. And you remember when the brothers finally came back to Joseph and they had to come back to him because the only way they could eat is when he released grain to them. And the brothers had to come back to him, them, humble themselves and they wept and said, we're so sorry, We please forgive us. We don't deserve to even be called your brothers. And you know what Joseph said? It's okay. He said, you meant it for evil, but God meant it for good. There are some things that you think the devil is winning on. Are you surrendered to God Almighty? The devil's not going to win. It just looks and feels like it, but that's not going to happen. You stay the course in your faith if if Joseph can get out of prison and he didn't even have the indwelling Holy Spirit, if if the children of Israel can be delivered through the, the, the Red Sea, God can do mighty things. First Corinthians chapter 2 and verse 8, the apostle calls the principalities and powers, the, the term he uses many times in the epistles, to address demonic spirits under the headship of Satan. And you know what the Bible says? says, had they known, had they known what God was up to, they would not have crucified the Lord of glory. Do you know, listen, I want to remind you of the term I used last time in the teaching. Sometimes God uses the devil as an unwilling agent. He's not cooperating of his own volition. But God is sovereign. He is omniscient. He is omnipotent. The devil is a fallen angel. Don't ever forget that. So the very heinous murder of the Lord Jesus that was empowered by demonic spirits really played into the hand of the perfect will of God for my redemption in yours. The devil was an unwilling agent in the hands of a mighty, awesome, omnipotent God. Hallelujah. You want some more examples? I love it we're in the Philippian epistles where Paul says, I'm incarcerated, I'm tied between Roman soldiers, and yet my circumstances has turned out for the furtherance of the kingdom of God. Now the gospel is being spread to all the praetorian guard of the upper echelon of Rome. God, what are you doing? Sometimes God is doing things through our circumstances and the people he puts into our lives that's kind of difficult, painful, confusing. But I had to ask myself this question the other day and it was so profound I had to write it down because maybe you need a little knowledge on this as i do i had to ask myself am i mainly pursuing my circumstances to change or am i really pursuing greater intimacy with jesus that's a sobering question isn't it i said that's a sobering question isn't it or all my prayers about god changing my circumstances changing the people in my circumstances Or am I really seeking greater intimacy with Jesus? And I ask you to turn here to uh, the Romans 4 passage. This is a very, very familiar passage, and we've looked at it many times. But I want to look at it a little differently today. The the background is God calling out Abraham, our spiritual father. And we all know about the Genesis 12 passage where God gets into covenant with Abraham and said, I'm going to bless you and make you great. I'm going to make you the father of many nations. And in your seed, all the families of the earth will be blessed. But I want us to look here in chapter 4, and the discussion is about how the promise of, of blessing through Abraham comes by faith and not through the living up to the outward law. Verse 17, as it is written, God said, I have made you a father of many nations. That is, in the presence of him whom he believed, God. That is, in the natural, it hadn't been done. But as far as God was concerned, it was already done. I've made you the Father of many nations. In the presence of him whom he believed, who is God, who gives life to the dead and calls those things which do not exist as though they did. Who, contrary to hope, in hope, believe. Now, this kind of hope is not wishing and wanting. This is a a hope with substance to it. This is one of the three spiritual forces that the Holy Spirit gives, faith, hope, and love. There is on the inside of every reborn believer faith, hope, and love. But before even the coming of the Holy Spirit, on the other side of the cross, God, through his word, had given Abraham hope. Contrary to hope, in hope he believed so that he became. How many of you know you don't become before you believe? You believe before you become. He believed so that he became the father of many nations. According to what was spoken, so, God said, so shall your descendants be. That was another time he had a visit with Abraham. And not being weak in faith, He did not consider his own body already dead as far as being able to procreate since he was about 100 years old. Nor did he consider, neither did he focus on and get absorbed with the deadness of Sarah's womb. She was childless, and now we read back in in our Genesis passage, she was 90 But regards to the promise of God, verse 20, he did not waver at the promise of God through unbelief. But he grew strong in faith. He was strengthened. It was a process. He was strengthened in faith, giving glory to God in praise and worship, being fully convinced that what he had promised, he was able to perform. What has God promised you? Do you still believe that he's able to perform? Are you still willing to give him glory and get your focus off what you're praying about that never seems to change or even gets worse? Have you do you still have your focus on him who is able? He is able. Well, now let's look back here and remember that when God made the promise to Abraham that he would be the father of many nations, he was married to a childless woman, and uh, he was 75, but I want you to, I'm going to talk a little adult talk here for just a minute. He was still a virile man. He was able to father a child. The problem was Sarah, see, You just bear with me, buckle your seatbelt here. She she was unable to have a child. At 75, God said, I'm gonna make you great. I want you to get out of where you are and I want you to go into the land that I've promised you it's gonna be your inheritance forever. So he left Ur of the Chaldees and he headed on his journey toward the land of Canaan. Of course he believed God or he wouldn't have obeyed. He left everything and started walking in obedience. If you look in chapter 13 of Genesis, you find out that God put that blessing on him immediately. The Bible says that he grew rich in silver and gold, in herds, and flocks and employees. And oh my goodness, the external manifestation of the internal blessing was amazing in Abraham amazing. But as the days went by, everything was going swimmingly except one thing. He was still childless. And the clock was ticking. In fact, now hold your place here in Romans 4. I want you to turn with me just for a minute to uh, Genesis chapter 15 because I want you to see something. Abraham was now in his mid-80s, and as far as fathering a child, no deal. He was still a virile man. He was able, physically he had the equipment and the ability to father a child, but his wife was still barren. And I want you to see something here. Abraham had a visit with God. In chapter 15, in verse 1, the word of the Lord came to Abram in a vision and said, I am your shield, your exceedingly great reward. And Abraham said, Lord God, what will you give me seeing I go childless? And the heir of my house is Eleazar of Damascus. Then Abram said, look you have given me no offspring so i'm declaring that one born in my house that is a relative is my heir i'm going to make an executive decision i'm going to fix this i mean you told me i was going to be uh, i was going to be the father of many nations i can't seem I have a child, my wife's broken, and so I'm going to name like uh, somebody in my family is that heir. I'll fix it. That must be what you meant. Verse 4 says, the word of the Lord said to him, this one shall not be your heir. How many of you know God don't want plan B? This one shall not be your heir, but one who will come from your own body shall be your heir. And then God took him outside and and, and showed him a graphic lesson of his word. He took him outside and he said, now look toward heaven and count the stars if you're able. How Many of you know it's not like all the uh, artificial light we have around our neighborhoods. This was out in the Middle East and there were countless stars. And God said to Abram, if you're able to count the stars, you just know this, your descendants are as innumerable as what you see. And verse uh, verse 6, listen to this. And he, Abram, believed in the Lord, and he, God, put it into his account as righteousness. The circumstances had gotten worse and worse. He and Sarah had grown older and older. In fact, uh, right not, not, not long after that, uh, if you read the 16th chapter, you find out that, you know, he he obviously went in and told Sarah, well, I visited with with the Lord and, and, and he gave me a lesson and told me that our descendants would be as more than the, the earth. And I, I told him, well, I'll just appoint somebody in my household to fulfill it since me and you can't uh, have a child. And uh, so get this now. Sarah says, since God told you it's going to be somebody that comes out of your body, and you know what she's thinking, and since I'm barren in that way, here's what I think we do. I have an employee, one of my servants named Hagar, and so why don't you Take her and see if she can bear this child that God says is going to come from your body. Okay, so we had the, the plan for it to be somebody in the family, and God said, no deal. And so Sarah says, Let's, let me bring on Hagar, and uh, you marry her, and you impregnate her, and that'll be the way uh that he'll that 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 we'll get this done. I had to smile this week because there was nowhere in the scriptures that Abraham argued against that uh plan. Let's just move right along now <laughs> Help me, Jesus so. Nine months later, here comes Ishmael. And you know that Ishmael is now the father of all the Arab nations. God loved Ishmael. It wasn't his fault. God loved Ishmael. But the promised son was going to be a different way, the, God, the way that God ordained it. So now we've got Abram who got the promise at 75 and now he's 86. And um, after Hagar bore Ishmael, the Bible tells us that there was contention between Sarah and Hagar. You knew that was coming. And so boy, things are getting really bad now. And in chapter 17 of Genesis, you see in chapter 17, verse 1, Abraham was 99 years old. And the Lord said to him, Remember, Sarah was right behind him at 90. I am God Almighty. Walk before me and, and be blameless. And I'll make my covenant between me and you, I'll multiply you exceedingly. And I love verse 3. It's almost forgotten. And Abram fell on his face. Abraham fell on his face. And guess what happened next? God talked to him. Oh, hallelujah. He fell on his face. God talked to him. God don't talk to the proud. God don't talk to those who think, you need my help, God. I can help you fix it. He don't talk to people like that. He fell on his face. How long has it been since you fell on your face? And cried out to God. God told him in verse 5, no longer shall you be called Abraham. You shall be called Abraham, father of nations. Okay, now back to our story here in Romans 4. I want to draw your attention to something as we wrap this up. God told him, I've made you a father of many nations. And the Bible says that he believed. God gives life to the dead and calls those things which do not exist as though they did. Contrary to natural hope, in spiritual hope, God-given hope, he became the father of many nations. And I want you to see verse 19. Not being weak in faith, he did not consider his own body already what? Not what? Dead, as good as dead, as far as his ability to bear a child. Do you understand what has now happened? The virility, the ability that he had at 75 and 86 is now gone. God's Word says as far as his ability to father a child, he was as good as dead over, gone, God, what are you doing? So now he couldn't blame it on Sarah anymore. Let me ask you a question, who is it that you believe in your inner man, who do you believe is stopping you from having God's highest and best for you. If it wasn't for them and where they are, then I could have this. If my kids wouldn't act like that, if my spouse would finally get right, If I could have the right job, if my customers and clients and people would just recognize me for how valuable I am, if I didn't have them, then I could have God's highest and best. What about you? So God let Abraham get to that point to where it wasn't Sarah's problem anymore. He let Abraham get to that point to where he recognized That he was absolutely helpless, unable to fix it. What is it going to take for me and you to get to the point to where we recognize and cry out on our face, I cannot fix this. I can't fix it. I can't change it. What did Abraham do? He believed God. Now, notice this. Now, he had lost his virility. Now, Sarah was not the only one broken. If you focus so much on somebody else needing to change, you might get to that point to where you get just as broken as they are. sometimes listen i wrote this down because god was speaking to me and you about this sometimes god leads us into partnership it might be somebody in your family it might be into business sometimes god leads us into a partnership with someone who has issues we cannot fix we can blame them We can try to control them. We can condemn them. We can try to be angry with them. But what we eventually have to come to is we have to love them, pray for them, and patiently wait on God to do what only he can do in them. How long will that take? Well, it depends on how long we're willing to think we can fix it. Well, what I found is the longer and the harder I tried to change somebody that I thought was my problem, and God didn't see fit to do it the way I wanted it done, what I found out is the longer it took me to wait on God and to love, the more it changed, all right, but it changed me instead of them. Could it be that the reason it hadn't happened for you today is because God is doing some changing in you that needs to be done? That has certainly been the case in me. Many times. But I want you to see something. He lost his ability. Sarah had lost now. But I want you to notice something. In hope, look at verse 18, in hope, that is in spiritual God-given God's Word kind of hope he believed. Did you all get that? He now realizes I can't fix this. But what happened? He got into a more intimate walk with God and he believed. The worse his situation got, the more accelerated and deep His hope became. Wow! Because he shifted his focus away from the helplessness of his own body and the deadness of Sarah's wound, and he focused himself on God, and he said, He is able. When you've got circumstances and situations that wrestle you to the ground, how often do you cry out, God, fix this, as opposed to, God, you are able. You are able. And I praise you. You are able. Wow. In hope against hope, he believed. And that kind of hope that we can have is that internal witness. Something on the inside of you, regardless of how bad your circumstances look, regardless of how deep and dark they seem to get, something on the inside of you is bearing witness that there is going to be a desired outcome. That is the hope that is put in you by the Holy Spirit of God. You know what he does? He raises the dead. Dead dreams, dead hope, dead desires. In hope against hope, he believed in order that he might become what God had promised he was going to be. Wow, hope, that supernatural force given to you by the Spirit of God that is in you right now that is the thermostat for faith. If you don't have any hope your faith doesn't have anywhere to go because faith is the assurance of things hoped for. So listen to your inner man about what you're hoping for and stay with it until you see resolution or release. God is able. God is able. Well, God was just telling a story through Abraham that I mean, once he was done, uh that that was just it, right? No, um I'll um tell you something pretty interesting and uh uh, Scott Griffin sent me a a message this week, and uh, uh, the pastor, uh, Pastor Jake's, had a wonderful point, and it, it wasn't lost on me. And it was this: <laughs> Sarah lived to 127. So if she had Isaac at 90, she lived 37 more years after she bore this miracle child. And if she was 10 years younger than Abraham, and she died at 127, how old was Abraham when Sarah died? How old? 137. Yes or no? So had God done a mighty work in him. The Bible says after that, after Sarah died, he married another woman and had six children. Now, I'm not going to go any farther with that. What I'm trying to tell you is this. God is able to do far beyond all that you ask or think. Amen? Let's all stand. God, what are you doing? You know, Lord, so many times in our humanity, that's what we think. God, what are you doing? You told me, X, and I don't see it. In fact, seems to have gone just the opposite. Maybe we should pray, Father, if I've misheard you, I want you to let me know clearly. But if that is what I've heard, is what I believe, I want you to reaffirm it to me, Lord Jesus. It's okay to ask him to do that, absolutely. Reaffirm it to me, Lord. And by your Spirit's power, I'm going to continue to stand on the Word of the Lord. God, you're able. I don't care what I see today, until you make it clear you've got something that you're going to do that is not what I believe, I'm going to stand. You're able. And I give you praise for it, Father. Lord, I ask for all of those in the sound of my voice who have grown confused, frustrated, angry, fatigued. Speak to them again, Lord. Renew their strength. Encourage them. You had to give Abraham encouragement. He had to see some stars. He, he had to have a visit and be reminded and be reaffirmed. And Father, we, we know you know how frail we are sometimes. Renew, restore, encourage your people. And we, we give you praise, Lord. And we say to you, we will not continue to focus On that which seems to be dead, we will focus on the life that you've spoken. And Father, in Jesus' name, we praise you and give you thanks that you are able to do exceedingly abundantly above and beyond all that we ask or think. Now, increase our ability to receive the hope that is within us. And out of that hope, may we listen for the word of God, knowing that it's through that word that gives our hope substance. We thank you that you're at work, both to will and to do of your good pleasure. Now say this with me, church. In the name of Jesus, my Lord, I declare that every circumstance of my life is under the Lordship. Of my Lord Jesus Christ he is Lord whatever God has promised me he will bring to pass my job is to continue to worship him to give him glory and I declare today I am not able to fix anybody or anything apart from him I believe that I will receive what he has promised that he will do In the meantime, by His grace, through His Holy Spirit, I will love, I will encourage, I will pray for, I will wait on my Lord to do what I can't do in the lives of others and in circumstances that I can't fix. I recognize and freely admit that apart from Him, I am nothing and I can do nothing. In Jesus' name, I hereby resign from acting like I'm Lord over anything or anybody. Thank you, Lord, that you are God. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen and amen. Well, we'll see you next week. You can access more of Steve Franklin's teachings online at www.sfmin.com.